accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Explorers. 22nd episode of the third season aired on May 8th, 1995. It was teleplay goes to Rene Echeverria. Story credit goes to Hilary J. Bader, directed by Cliff Bowl. In this episode, Cisco builds a replica of an 800-year-old Bajoran spacecraft and tries to use it to prove that Bajoran explorers could have made it to the Cardassian planet without developing warp, warp drive. All right, I'm, I'm going to bumble my way through this again. But anyway, we're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here for the backdoor pilot of Dr. Bashir, Doctor of Dat Butt. <laughs> you, you went with butt instead of ass, which was a family-friendly choice. YouTube will continue to monetize this. Um, did you like the... Um, <laughs> Did you like the... When did he turn into such a creep? Did you... I guess I guess we'll have to save it. I, I can't even... I don't even want to breach or broach this topic right away. I guess we'll take a break. We'll play an audio clip, and then me and Clay are going to come back, and we're going to break down Creepy Dr. Bashir. Ooh, I haven't seen you like this for a long time. Like what? So caught up in something. So excited. Not since... Um, not since you and Jennifer decided to have a baby. <sighs> the nursery. I don't think anyone's ever put such effort into making a room for their child. Well, you have to admit it turned out pretty well. Wow. Especially the starscape on the ceiling? Yeah, Jake loved that ceiling. In fact, when we moved out of the house, he couldn't understand why we couldn't bring it with us. So I don't know, Clay, if you... Um, I guess we'll put that... Out. We'll put a pin, as they say, into the Bashir discussion, because I think he... As his B-plot, I guess we'll get that at the end of the uh, discussion here, and we'll focus on the other things going forward, But um, which would be the Cisco and Jake stuff. But I guess that I'll I don't say, know. I'm much more interested in talking about Bashir. <laughs> yeah. Well, his his storylines... There's a lot going on with his storyline, and I guess I'll, I'll fire it off to you just by saying that um, I don't think I'd ever seen this episode before, and... With didn't, good reason. Didn't come up as familiar. Um, it is... The thumbnail doesn't do anything to interest me. The description didn't really sound all that interesting. And I settled in to watch it. And you you uh, said with good reason. But I actually think this is a pretty solid little small episode of the show. Um, I enjoyed it much more than I was expecting to enjoy it. And I thought that it was... Um, I don't know. It It felt very... We had talked before when uh, Darren about how after the big arc uh, or the big sort of two-parter episodes that DS9 does occasionally, they usually follow it up with smaller episodes because of how mm -hmm. the production schedule worked. Uh, this is the first big case of that where it's a father and son storyline and then the, the sheer thing going on. But I don't know. You sound like you, you sounded more negative on it. So why don't you explain? Because I sort of enjoyed this one. Well, I didn't hate it. Um, I thought the... The Cisco and Jake stuff was actually pretty good, um, for the most part. I, I have I have some questions about Cisco single handedly building a sp fucking spaceship. Yeah, uh, like how is this supposed to be in a way to explain away like the next eight years on DS Nine? Like, because he look he see, apparently did it over the course of like three weekends. Yep. Um, I don't know if he was just not running the the station anymore. He seemed to be 
Doesn't seem like anyone's particularly his, busy. Uh, mechanics kimono. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem like anyone's particularly busy. It must be a downtime on the station. Uh, people people getting drunk and everything like that. But I think that the in his defense, although it is kind of um, he w- when it starts off, uh, you know, they're like, oh, he's going to build a spaceship. I'm kind of like, oh, it'll probably just be a very simple thing, like in Star Trek: First Contact. It'll be like a little tin can that he can nope. like sail around in. No, it's nope. very very advanced and very intricate. Uh, and he built it all by himself in the, over the course of three weeks. And, uh, I mean, I, I, the guy goes to the mirror universe one time and he comes back and he's like, maybe I should grow a goatee. Yes. This is the, um, beard 1.0. This is the start of Cisco's beard, which will eventually become something more impressive than it is right now. But he's, it's the start of his character change. Yeah. But you know, like the, I, I thought the mechanics of getting to the meat of the Cisco and Jake stuff was kind of not great. Um, but the actual content of, of that story was was pretty good. Like, it's it's a nice father and son thing. And, you know, Jake is uh, clearly at a certain age where he's at a bit of a crossroads. And Cisco apparently has nothing else to do, which is kind of sort of a little bit of the point. Which Jake is like, you need to get a fucking girlfriend, dude. <laughs> um, and Jake would know. Jake Cisco, fuck machine. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, uh, that stuff was okay. I thought it was fine. Um, but I was bo- like kind of flummoxed by the uh, Bashir plot line because I found that incredibly unsatisfying. Um, really, really. Yeah. I don't know. It just, the the that opening scene with him and the Dabo girl was weird, and then. They set the whole thing up for him to have this connect, this prior relationship with this woman, and it turns out that they she's never even seen him, or she thought like, she was looking at the wrong person when she met him. Yeah, which right, is but weird. like just yeah. also they were they talk about them being in school together as though like one and two. Yeah, one and two usually know who each other are. I would yep. assume. Yep. And she had never even laid eyes on him, which. She's supposed to be standing next in line to go get her diploma, right? And she's like, I was backstage vomiting or whatever her excuse was. She she somehow did not manage to see Julian Bashir. And she also thought that um, Julian Bashir was the name of a different alien species, which is kind of yeah. funny to me that she, his name wasn't like Zarlax Synchrofix or something like that. She's like, no, Julian Bashir must be an Andorian. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and I, like, I, I understand what they were going for with the ending where it's like, oh, they actually have a lot more in common than he thinks and it's sort of a grass is greener sort of situation but like i don't know just the way that they set up that interaction i and especially the way that o'brien talks about it being like oh she's in love with you like that that all that stuff feels like they're telling a story of two people who may have been involved with each other previously and you know had some falling out or blah 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 but then when it comes to the point where she's like i'm sorry i don't know who you are and I don't know. It just felt very unsatisfying to me. I thought that the, the, the weirdest part of it to me maybe is the fact that, like, I, I think when O'Brien says that he's in his shit-faced scene, so he's kind of talking out of his ass, I think. Um, the I think the weirder part is that Bashir seems to imply that this woman would know him just... Maybe it's a... Bashir seems to think that the woman should be familiar with him, and it might be right. kind of his... Um, 
It might be a callback to his earlier characterization as a <coughs> uh, full of himself, sort of naive, naive young hotshot thing where he thinks the world revolves around him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the epi- you know, the plotline there is dealing with the, the fallout of maybe not, and maybe like things could be taken from him, and he has to like keep trying to be on top, or else other people are going to come and take the things that he wanted. Um, I agree with you. Like the thing about this episode, I think, is that it's one of those Star Trek shows where I think the details are unimportant, and you kind of have to ignore them. And once you ignore them, I think that it shines a little bit more it's more like a it's and i think that the the show itself doesn't get too bogged down in the details of this one it coasts a lot like the the jake and ben stuff i was fairly relieved that they never had a cataclysmic event happen that was like the, the they have to like save the day because of this ship and like things have gone horribly wrong it's really a very small episode where there's not a lot of conflict the bashir conflict is all in his head um i think that the to get back to the Bashir thing, the Bashir one to me feels I, I was I was impressed with how small and unimpressive the storyline was that still ended up in a place where I thought it was a good story to tell. Mm-hmm. And the place that Bashir ends up in is a little bit, I think, of a tie back to it's the writer's personality coming through. Like to me, it seems fairly clear that it's a meta commentary on Rene Echeverria choosing to work on Deep Space Nine as opposed to Vo- as opposed to Voyager. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's supposed to represent Voyager, where things change every day. She's saying she does, she doesn't have the chance to sort of settle into something, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of what that is. And and if, even if you ignore the fact of knowing behind the scenes that Echeverria had come over from TNG and chosen to work on DS Nine. It's a it's a kind of a satisfying little arc for Julian Bashir, especially of what we know him. And it ties into the O'Brien conversation where O'Brien has that thing about people either love you or hate you. And I hated you at start. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's kind of a cute little small storyline for Bashir to work through. But I agree that the points of it, like the the logistics of that story don't really work. The details are kind of wonky. Yeah, I I think the I think the structure of it is just misguided. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know if I'm fully on board with exactly, I don't know if the, the arc of, of him in that story is completely satisfying or it really kind of lands with me. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know why they choose to have them just be completely not, like, not even have any knowledge of him. At all, it was it was just a very strange choice, and I, like I said, I get what they were trying to do. I just don't think it was it was the the best way to do it, uh, personally. Um, I mean, I'd agree that the 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 opening scene is maybe the weirdest. We get introduced to Lita, who's a recurring character going for the Dabo girl. So is that Jake's girlfriend? No, it's not. It's a different Dabo girl. Oh, it um, is. Okay, she was supposed to be. She was cast originally as Jake's girlfriend, and Avery Brooks, who was directing, said that she was too old to play his girlfriend, so they got a 40-year-old instead of a 45-year-old to play his girlfriend. Um, (laughs) But she got... They liked her a lot, so they brought her back for this, and she becomes a fairly important recurring character. She's in probably 20 episodes of the show for the rest of the way. Um, the, The opening there... 
The opening to me makes less sense, but when I think about it, I'm okay with it, and that it's supposed to kind of represent old Bashir, and his whole plot line is just kind of a uh, moving across. His his storyline is kind of covering his arc as a person on the show so far. And it's a little less creepy because she wants to be pursued. It seems she's flirting with him. It's so awkward how quickly it gets brought up uh, at the start. Like you kind of wonder if something else is going on beneath the surface, but I guess it's not. She's really just um, wants to flirt with Bashir and Bashir is willing to flirt back with her. Uh, But I I thought it was, it's very unprofessional. It's it's very unprofessional. (laughs) And uh, the the coughing was not great, not great acting, but I I think it's just a, I think it's just supposed to represent this is old Bashir, and they do it in a slightly less creepy way where he's not pursuing Dax, but it's maybe unsatisfying just on how uh, how one note it is and how it doesn't really tie into the rest of the story. Lita doesn't come back in any way. It's very odd mm-hmm. in the way that it's written there, but then it just moves on to him coming of age, I guess, would be the, the sort of end result of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, her not coming back doesn't bother me. I don't know. It's just I don't feel like the... Uh the the amount of the amount of pressure and the way that they play the relationship doesn't work for me for uh, Lita or for the, the for for doctor him friend. and the doctor yeah yep. um yeah and I think it would have been an easy fix uh but yeah I don't know I just it just it wasn't really working for me I mean why I, I guess there's if there is any sort of analysis of like why they didn't have it be friends i can't really think of anything why they wouldn't know each other outside of you can't you can't really write the characters to the point where they are communicating with each other you know they can't be good friends because right. then i'd be like well they kind of would know each other's like secrets quote-unquote secrets about what they want to do with life so yeah. they have to I mean, put they them can in- be aware of each other though i mean that that final scene doesn't change if uh she knows who he is. She can still gush over the fact that he got to work on Deep Space Nine and et cetera, et cetera. Like there's right, a- she made a mistake is more the story than anything. Like she she recognizes in him that she he is uh, he's doing the things that she wants to do, and which they could be aware of each other to do that. I don't I don't disagree. Yeah, and you could still even have the beat where he he says hello, and she's like, "I'm sorry," and then he's like, "It's Julian," and she could be like, "Oh my god, Julian!" You know uh, that right. kind of. There's yeah. there's no reason why they need to be. I mean, I guess it's a way of, he talks about her in such like a idealized, yeah, an idealized way. And, and so her, is it a callback to, well, sorry to interrupt. Is it a callback to how Jordy saw Leah Brahms? Remember that creepy episode where he made the holodeck thing and he like, he, he made the holodeck to react the way that he expected her to react. Is it just a case of him building her up in his mind? Probably, but like I, I think the thing that bothers me there though is is they've established in that previous episode, the the shitty one there, uh, that he, well, they they imply anyway that he fucked up the final exam on purpose. Yes, and like I don't see why doing fucking up on purpose. I don't I don't see why that would generate this sort of like uh reverence for the person who ended up besting him if he knows that he di- if he knows that he didn't you know screw up because he's less than, you know? Is it reverence of her or is it reverence of what he thinks she's accomplishing? I don't well, I don't yeah, get the imp- I think it's I think it's part I think it's part of the same thing is cuz I mean he talks about screwing up the thing and he talks about uh her having power over him 
because she could have taken his job away or something if she wanted, yeah. which also implies that they have some sort of previous relationship that would drive her to do that. I think he's um, just talking about how he's lucky. He's lucky that Deep Space Nine wasn't seen as her priority. If Deep Space Nine had been her priority, he would have been helpless to stop her from taking it. Would have was his problem. Right. So it's a yeah, yeah but it's go ahead, go ahead. But you know, he at the same time though, he's talking about the job that she did take as something that literally everybody wanted. Right. And yep. so the way then him talk saying I want a Deep Space Nine, she could have taken it if she wanted it. That implies to me that there would be some reason for her to do that. Um, but I, I, I see what you're saying. But, um, but yeah, the, the way that he's built her up and talks about her and also takes offense at the fact that she just walks right by him, I, I don't know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't jive with me in, in a way that feels necessary to tell the story that they were going to tell. I just find it, I find it sto- I find the storytelling a little confusing. Sure, sure. So you would have just had them be familiar with each other and have otherwise the storyline stay exactly the same. Yeah, uh, more or less. Yeah, more or less. Um, would you think of the? I, I guess I, I guess I can stick on this for a little bit longer. Like I, th- I think that the, I think that it works for me, just because it's to me it's all about Bashir, not. It's not. It's all about Bashir not really understanding the depth of what his problem is, like, or mm-hmm. of his what he's concerned about. I think that he's he's built up this woman as someone who could have taken the thing that he wanted just because he made that mistake, whether it was a mistake or he actively screwed up his test. He made a decision that allowed him to not be in a position to control his own destiny, mm-hmm. and her having that ability by beating him on that test is a threat to him. And it made him sort of realize about how he can't do things like that. He has to be better than that. And that's kind of his, it fits into his characterization as someone who's always trying to overcompensate and be over, overly trying to please and overly sort of self-aggrandizing. And I, I think it's just a reckoning for him. It's the realization that thing just because he thought that he wanted something it doesn't matter in the long run and he's built up this relationship in a very leah brahms way where he doesn't really know this person he doesn't know what she's all about and he doesn't realize that he has what he wants and he shouldn't be endlessly comparing himself to her he should be just happy where he ends up yeah uh would you think of the uh iris Stephen bear fought for the drinking scene between o'brien and bashir what'd you think of that scene that scene felt like something out of a really bad play. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just imagine this crappy play of two guys stumbling in, acting drunk, singing a song, and then talking about, you know, relationship. It just, it just felt very much like a, uh, a lame uh, theater play. I thought that it's... Um... I thought maybe the biggest thing holding back the episode in general was the acting. It felt like everyone was a little bit off. I don't know why it, it, things felt unsettled. Uh, that scene, that scene felt that way. I was intrigued by how unique that scene is. You never really see you, you never see the characters drinking and getting drunk on Star Trek. They they mentioned that they should maybe switch to synthahol, but uh, they don't manage to get there. They're drinking just whiskey. It looks like they're singing um, Jerusalem, which is an old English sort of national anthem-y type song, um, which is funny because O'Brien is Irish. So that, I, don't, I don't know if this is supposed to be a uh, we've all moved forward and we're in a happy place. But I, I like the scene as just a, 
To me, it's even more of a meta thing about Bashir, about O'Brien talking about how love it or hate him, uh, and I used to hate you, and he can't bring himself to say that he loves him now. He says, I just don't hate you anymore. Yeah, I like that part. That was good. Yeah, um, and I think it's, I think my problem with it was it's not, uh, playing drunk might be harder than I think it is, and they, they play drunk a little bit hammy in it. Yeah. I don't know if that's like an intentional thing of they need to get across to a Star Trek audience that they're drunk or inebriated, but they don't do it super realistically. Yeah, it feels like theater class. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Jake and Cisco. I thought I'd get back to that. Um, what I like about the episode is it's extremely low stakes. Uh, mm. I think that it's very it's very fortunate that there is no major problem going throughout this i got worried a couple times when the ship jumps into warp uh halfway through the episode as i go no something's gonna go they're gonna have to uh commence a rescue mission or something to save jake and cisco or they're gonna end up being attacked by cardassians or something never happens it's all it's all character work type stuff that i think really distinguishes the show um and it's what the show is fairly good at it. I don't know if this is the best example of it, but it's a lot of character stuff and character interactions. And I think that this is maybe the best Jake and Cisco episode that mm. we've seen so far. Like it's a, they're still a little cheesy. And I think it ties into like the drunk scene. It's like a little bit off. I don't quite buy them as a father and son. Really. Um, I think all the pieces are there, but sometimes the performance isn't there. And I don't know. I think that the, I, I like the design of the ship and everything. Like I think, I think it's a neat kind of, it is a rowboat, but it's like a futuristic alien sail sailing ship. I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought that was kind of clever. I'd never seen anything like that in Star Trek, and it's CG too. It's not a model, which is unique. Yeah, I like I like the the solar sail thing. That's always a cool idea. They use that in that movie Sunshine, that Danny Boyle movie. And yes, it's it's, yeah. uh, it's it's one of those. I didn't realize it was an idea that had been around so long. Um, it feels like a fairly modern concept. But, yeah, uh, apparently it's it's and I guess to make it physically work, the sails would have to be enormous uh, compared to how small the ship is. I was just reading about the science of it and people were complaining that the, the you know, stupid complaint that the representation here isn't accurate to it because you need like uh, many miles of sails or something yeah, full of ship. Sure. But it's a cool Whatever. idea. I like it. <laughs> I don't know why the shows have the shows have science consultants and it's weird to me that they pay these people because I'm never going to question the science right. behind it. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I was the science consultant, I would assume it's people coming in and go, on a scale of implausible to incredibly impossible, where do you think this falls on the scale? And as long as it's like under a five of implausible, it's probably good to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love that people have a problem that the sails aren't big enough and not that he built it single-handedly by himself. <laughs> Yeah. Like that whole sequence, I just kept imagining like uh, when Homer builds uh, builds his race car, and it's like a bed with with two uh, with four wheels he got off of like a wagon, just like super glued to the side of it, that kind of thing. It's like, look, your car's ready, jump in. Yeah, I just yep. I just kept expecting as soon as that thing hit the v vacuum of space, it just it c completely imploded. <laughs> He's um or exploded. I don't know which one. So Cisco has been des described by the writers as uh, they viewed Picard as an explorer, but they view Cisco as a builder. Uh, I think I've mentioned that to you before, but the the building aspect goes into the character history. He's mentioned how he, he worked previously on the uh, Utopia Polisha shipyard thing. So he's an engineer, apparently, by trade. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it works in the sense that he is the commander of this station, which is trying to sort of build an alliance between Bajor and the Federation. Um, he's there to develop and build things. And I think that it's just a... What I really like is that... I know you don't like the Bajoran stuff, but here we have Cisco building something, and he's showing a sort of fondness for the Bajorans, and he kind of wants to prove that they had done something without being explicitly a this is he's because he's the emissary he's bought into this i like the right. sort of gradual he has just been around these people long enough and now he kind of wants to help show them he wants to help get these like beaten down people a little bit of pride by getting them to say that they did this trip first before anyone else did and i i think it's a nice little touch and it ties into his whole emissary role it shows him getting more comfortable with it it ties into him being a builder he likes to build these things and go sailing and i just like the design of the ship i think it's like interestingly alien nautical design and it's kind of a cool idea yeah it's got the in the interior has a nice kind of mix of uh futuristic stuff but stuff that also looks like old sailing equipment yeah, hand cranking um, everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I liked I liked that aspect too about about him, uh, taking up the Bajoran not cause but like, uh, um, proving that they did it because yeah they are they are such a uh, subjugated species in this series that it's 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 nice nice to it's a nice bit of world building that is not hitting you over the head with it and is it kind of does a lot more for the history and uh the implied history between Bajor and Cardassia than a lot yeah, of which is like interesting long-winded yeah it does more than like a lot of long-winded monologues about stuff and like you know camps and fights and stuff can can do uh you know it does it a, a lot quicker and a lot better i think than a lot of that stuff yeah like the the Bajorans apparently had a reason to try to get to Cardassia you know there was a there's a right. previous history between uh the two before their sort of occupation happened and stuff which i think is kind of a nice touch it's a, it makes it almost more tragic for the bajorans what happened that they were trying to get there in the first place and the, it's almost a reverse colonial thing like if the europeans had gone over to the native american then the native americans had gone over and conquered europe or something mm-hmm. like they they'd mm-hmm. returned it's kind of a, a weird little flip on it like that yeah i was i was thinking of i was thinking of it like the uh the 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 Viking discovery of America, but like if the Vikings weren't, didn't run the entire world for like 700 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that the, um, I even like Ducat's appearances here. He seems concerned about Cisco at first. Yeah. But there's also the implication that he's like, he's kind of warning him. He's like, you shouldn't want to do this. And then at the end, I love the way Ducat plays it as if he's sort of happy that Cisco has succeeded at this. Hmm. I thought the I thought the fireworks were a little bit cheesy. A little um, cheesy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I did I did like I did like the uh, uh, the message where he was like, uh, you know, congratulations. Just so happens we also discovered ruins of a Bajoran ship that like that. Uh, I appreciated that bit, but I was also like, that's I don't know. That feels a little bit unnecessary for the Cardassians to do that because. Just because he completed it doesn't mean that they have to, you know, it, it seems a little out of character for the Cardassians to uh, uh, give that, um, what's the word? Give them credit, sort yeah, of. Yeah, give the Bajorans credit for doing that. Um, I, I but I, I, of, I still liked it, though. I would sort of disagree. I'd say that yeah. it's a, I think it feels a little bit Cardassian-y in if you look at it as they did it, they proved that they could do it, and now they want to release this secret, which could com- potentially come back and embarrass them. You know, oh, if you, yeah, if you, you, if you kept way, it, yeah. 
if you kept it secret, it's more tough. But here they're allowed to sort of get away by saying, oh, we also conveniently at exactly the same time have found wreckage. Like what a what a unique thing. And they kind of wash their hands of it. I think it's totally saved by Ducats, uh, just the way that Olamo says the yes, that is quite a coincidence at the very end. And he smiles before he turns off the view screen. Mm-hmm. I just I, I really love the way that they're building the relationship between Cisco and Ducat at this point. Like this is a good episode for those two. It's just a very Ducat is you had mentioned before, he's he's sort of outside of the Cardassian hierarchy. He is kind of a standalone, his own perspective on things. And I think that this is kind of a really inter- interesting way because it ties into your thing about how he treats it like a job, but he gets personal satisfaction out of this for Cisco and for himself. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the stuff. The two scenes with them were really good, and um, it's funny. I uh, I was thinking that this is kind of a big deal, isn't it? Like what they what they accomplished is something that if 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 you know, much like the the Viking discovery of America, to use that as an example, like proving that that happened and being able to show evidence that the trip could happen and that there is. Uh, wreckage um at the place that they they sh- supposedly traveled to that's a big deal for like history yeah i feel i yeah. feel like i feel like jake jake cisco could probably spend those couple years before his writing fellowship like writing a book about it or something <laughs> he was looking for inspiration he said he, he he doesn't need to write any more short stories about being a maki fighter he should just write about the early bajoran vikings who sailed across the seas i was, but, there, was there was a part of me who was kind of hoping when he was like i did join the maquis he was serious <laughs> You know, because as much as as much as I do enjoy it, I, I guess part of me was thinking like it would have been nice to have a little bit of tension between them. I'm not saying like a, a, a shitload, no fist but fights or something. Yeah, yeah, like just a, th- there, there, there was some father and son tension, but it wasn't really that prominent. It was basically just kind of like, I think you need to get a girlfriend. He's like, well, I don't know. Yeah, and, no, you know, no tension was... from Cisco towards Jake, uh, which is interesting. There's no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say the Jake thing is tension really because Cisco yeah. adopts it so easily. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think. Would that have, would that have made the episode better, or would it have hurt, hurt the episode? I guess it's. I'm so glad there's no conflict in this episode. I was I, every time they tried to bring up something, I was so relieved that they dro- they dropped it 20 seconds later. Yeah, I guess my th- my thought process of it though it w- it's just that like they have so little time together on the show that I'm kind of surprised that they didn't take the opportunity to let them have some sort of small you know arc really. I mean, like, I guess yeah. they kind of do have an arc, but you know what I mean, like something a little bit more juicy for them to get into. Yeah. Um yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't I I don't mind it that they don't uh, do you do you not buy Jake's well. reason for staying? Like, do you not buy that? Like, he seems to want to stay out of concern for his father, and he just wants to make sure that his father ends up in a place where he's not alone if Jake leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting in how unselfish it is, uh, which highlights something between their relationship. Like, they since the death of Jennifer, it's really just been about those two. Even if you don't get a lot of episodes, as you were saying, between them, you don't get a lot of those scenes. I think they, I think they do a pretty good job with the scenes between the two of them. 
Um, I'm always a little bit distracted by just the acting, but I think that on like a writing level, they're fairly comfortable with each other. And I think that the way that they treat each other here, Jake not wanting to leave, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like the writer's like, well, he can't go because he's a main cast member on the show. Like It feels authentic for Jake to want to stay. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. It's um, I think what's what's interesting and kind of throws me off a little bit when I think about it is that their character their relationship has never really been antagonistic in any way like it's it's a very for for the setup that they're given you know this the father and son father's sent to this you know uh space station son probably doesn't really want to go or whatever they they have a pretty good relationship all things considered and so Maybe having them get into something would have been a little disingenuous because they do have a pretty good relationship. And I guess I'm just used to seeing characters like this who don't have a good relationship on shows. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I completely, I completely buy his, uh, his excuse for, le- for not wanting to leave. Like it, 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 it feels cause he clearly does care about his father and, and in, in a way that feels, let's put it this way. If they did have, a sort of relationship where you know Jake was doing always doing stuff that Cisco didn't agree with, and Cisco was always disapproving of the choices that Jake made and all that kind of stuff. That reason for staying might feel a little bit disingenuous, um, and it might feel more like just a high drama writing point, you know? Yeah, yeah. But since if his mother there, was there, I'd say it was it would be the same. If the, Jennifer was still around, I don't think there's a reason for Jake to stay. Yeah, yeah. And since the they present them as having a pretty good relationship, and and Jake is is pretty considerate of his dad and all this kind of stuff, that just having that motivation be like, I'm worried about you. I want to make sure you're going to be okay. It feels it feels genuine. It, it's it, it works well. Avery Brooks um, had a lot of pressure behind the scenes. Maybe this ties into your points about the lack of conflict between them. He was very interested in portraying their relationship as being very strong as a mm. black father to a black son. Right. Um, he thought that there wasn't, uh, I think he would correctly say that there wasn't a lot of that on TV at the time. Uh, there's the Cosby show and stuff like that. But there's, you know, there's, there's the exceptions, but it's not a something that you'd see quite frequently. Mm. And he... For better or worse, we'll, there'll be other things in the future where we'll probably come back to this, but he was very interested in not having there be dumb conflict between right. the two of them. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. I think that maybe he oversteps his bounds a little bit into saying that all conflict is bad to show between them, but that's I think that's the motivating factor there of trying to show those two as a black father and son who... Um, have the 24th century Starfleet values, quote unquote, to, to sort of um, exist on TV. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the conflicts that they do have don't feel it. It never really feels like they're actively avoiding doing something bigger. It's always like, you know, Cisco's letting him live his life. And sometimes he's like, well, I don't know about that. And but then they, Jake always comes back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it's never, um, which is, which is a fairly realistic you know, relationship. I mean, not every, not every relationship needs to be awful. Fraught. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you can, you can have a perfectly fine relationship, especially, especially when I think it works for the show because 
in a show like this with so many other characters and so many other species and so many other uh, exterior forces pushing down on them, to have Jake and his, I mean, uh, Cisco and his son be fairly s- stable is a good uh, breath of fresh air. Yes. Yeah. And it's a good pushback to everything else that's, you know, coming in from the outside. I think, yeah. I think it would be too much if they were, if they were at odds with each other. Right. That feels very, um, that feels like a Tony Soprano modern TV where the guy just can't get a break. You know, it's yeah, like no, right. every aspect of his life is giving him grief yeah. at some point, And it and is sh- nice to get a little break. And the show isn't about their relationship, you know, like it, they, it's, that's definitely part of the show, but Jake isn't in every episode the way, like, uh, um, I mean, Jake doesn't show up as much as the son from Breaking Bad shows up, you know, like right. it's not, it's not a Or even a Wesley central, Crusher. Yeah. 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 Or, or Crusher. Yeah. It's not a central point of the show. Um, so I think it's fine to, to let that slide as be something a little bit more, uh, uh, grounded and stable. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just one point. This is the first mention of Cassidy Yates, who Jake is trying to set up his father with. She's a freighter captain. Um, we'll be seeing more of her in the future. Uh, just wanted to note that. But yeah, I think it's a... So wait a minute. So that Dabo girl was supposed to be Jake's girlfriend until they recast her with somebody else who was... Yeah, with the 20-year-old or whatever. <laughs> whatever. So what was, what was the... They were just going to have Jake's girlfriend... Hitting on Bashir and Bashir no, I think being they were like, supposed to be totally totally down for it. They were supposed to be they're supposed to be different characters because the arc for Jake was always he falls in love and then that girl leaves. Um, and then this would be a new character and they just reuse the actress. So they made a new role for this actress to come back. Oh, and do his it. girlfriend is gone. Yeah, yeah, you might not have seen that. Jake uh, broke up with his girlfriend. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah, so she's she's gone. So, but the, there, you know, there's there's been some conflict. Like uh, Cisco disapproves of Jake and Nog's friendship. He's kind of right. come around on that. The girlfriend thing, he kind of disapproved, and then she went away. So Cisco didn't have any other reason to sort of harp on it for him. Um, but it's stuff like that. It's very small, growing up teenage pains that never really cause any strife between the two of them, which is which is nice, which is fine. It's what the show is trying to do with these guys. Yeah, and it's and it's always it's reasonable stuff that is dealt with reasonably <laughs> right exactly yeah um let's see i don't th- did you have anything else you wanted to talk about I, d- I don't think i did i think i hit everything i think we did a pretty good job talking about this one because that's a, it's it is such a low-key episode but i think it's i don't know it's would you i th- i think this is the kind of episode i would have hated when i was younger but now yeah, that i'm too. older i kind of am like oh what a nice what a nice little like palate cleanse of an episode to have after the dies cast and it's like you get to resettle everything you gotta you know the world isn't ending in the series uh a lot of this is the production process but it's still it feels nice to like collect yourself and then move on and not have it be a boring dull episode it's like an interesting little thing to watch yeah i i was actually kind of surprised that it wasn't the season finale um oh that's yeah that's interesting it could how many is there one more or or a couple more. There's three. I think there's three left in three the more. season. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, not to gratuitously mention Buffy the Vampire Slayer again, but it has it has that same. It it gave me that same feeling as that the final episode of season four that I talk about a lot does, mm-hmm. where it's like they finish their big plot and then they just kind of have like a decompression episode and that's their finale. Right. And that's kind of, that's what I felt like this one, especially with the way that it ends with the Cardassians and the fireworks and everything. It was like it 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 puts you in like a good place and is a would be a it would have been a nice breather 
to end the season on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what comes after it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we've got a couple more, and the season does end with a Dominion-focused episode. Um, so it kind of heightens the action. It, it does the opposite of what Buffy does. DS9 usually sets things up to be in a totally different spot when the next season starts over. Interesting. Um, so the, the episode is always kind of a high climax thing, and then the season premiere is always a where do the pieces lay at this point, and what's how do we move forward from here? Well, I actually... <laughs> When it started, I went back and forth because when it started, I I, th- I thought, wait, is this the first episode of season four? Be- specifically because of the goatee, because usually oh, sure. you don't yeah. make a change like that in the last <laughs> four episodes of your season. Yeah. And then once it got going, I was like, oh, maybe it's the finale. And it wasn't that either. So it's an interesting, interesting placement. Yeah, that's funny. I could see it being a finale. That's I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, but I, I could actually see that. It, it is a kind of finale that you could have had. It, especially, I think the fireworks are very fitting of a finale. Yeah. Um, just from a production standpoint of like, we're done. Let's put some gratuitous fireworks into the show. Um, let's see. So yeah, I think we're done. We'll take a break. I'm going to play an audio clip. We'll come back, give our final thoughts, read some patient thoughts, and then call it a day. Don't take this the wrong way, but... There were times when I regretted not taking your assignment. Really? I read your paper on the immunotherapy project you've been doing on Bejor. It was brilliant. Thank you. I really envy the opportunity you have to work on that kind of long-term project. On the Lexington, it was collect your samples and then on to the next system. I suppose I was lucky. What's happening on Bejor? Were you able to get the T-cell anomalies under control? If you're really that interested, we should go to the infirmary, and I can show you my latest results. I'd love it. One thing I wanted to say before we uh, wrap this up, Clay, and get to the final thoughts and the patron thoughts is just that um, it's a... Remember in the, the episode Destiny, it's the one where they put the communications relay through the wormhole, and they have mm-hmm. the prophecy about it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how that felt really goofy and silly because the prophecy was like freshman 101 writing about like, oh, you can interpret vague language multiple different ways. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this episode does a better job of that because both species turn out to be right or both sides of the argument about whether or not you should try sailing across the space is right because the Bajorans could do it. They did do it, but they didn't do it the way that everyone thought that they did because they got yeah. sucked into that techno babble type thing. So it's a it's a cleaner way than what Destiny did of saying that both sides could have the right perspective and Some be sort right. Of ion oscillation cloud. Yes, exactly. Much much uh, oscillating sends people going flying. Anyway, we're going to uh, read some patron thoughts. If you support the show on Patreon.com, you get to leave some thoughts about. Does anybody episodes. bring up all of the sweet uh, casual wear we get to see on Cisco? Because he's got some good looks in this one. Between he does. The, uh, the mechanical gi and the. Uh, um, that thing he wears when they go on their trip that looks like it's like two floor mats tied yeah. together. <laughs> Garrick has been replicating some uh, fine fashion for Mr. Cisco. Uh, also, he's obviously spending time doing that. I do want to call out the sick burn he lays down on on uh, uh, Ducat when he very calmly asks him if he's been put in charge of refutation of Bajoran fairy tales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good line. That's that's per- and it's perfectly that is that feels very in universe because the Card- that's like a burn that works well on a Cardassian because they would right. be that sort of 1984 like Ministry of Truth or whatever type of thing. Uh let's see here. So, patron comments. 
As I said, you leave thoughts on patreon.com slash the Pensacola Valley. You get to read them and we'll react to them. Explorers, Christian Pouch says, Cisco Beard 1.0. We get to see Cisco being a good dad and a thankfully less erotic interaction with Jake. For me, the Bajoran solar sail plot was much less interesting than the Ben-Jake plot. I really like how their relationship plays and how Ben reacts to things like Jake's desire to go to Pennington. A weaker script would suddenly have Ben be uncharacteristically unreasonable for the sake of some silly drama. Mm. As it is, the episode isn't outstanding, but not bad either. So we didn't even mention that, Clay, but it's good that they didn't go with conflict that became stupid. Uh, like yes. that the conflict yeah. was wrong. Yeah, I think I think that's what... I'm sure they probably talked about putting more conflict in there, but... I. Hopefully they realize that it would have felt, uh, I think it gets, usually that stuff gets stupid when it doesn't feel honest, you know? Right. Yep. Zam Nuclear Wessel says, Explorers, I like the side note this season of improving the Cardassian-Bajoran relationship culminating here. We've had the peace treaty and life support, the science exchange and destiny, the fall of the Obsidian Order and the two-parter, and now fireworks celebrating their newfound shared history. Surely there's nothing but good times ahead. Well, that's a very ominous statement from Zam Nuclear Wessel, but... It's true. I think that they, the show was trying to sort of build a reconciliation between the two species. And I think that the, the culmination here, if it is the culmination, I don't remember if anything gets advanced beyond this, but it's the, the, the scene with Dukat really just elevates everything for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Kalog says, Explorers, the necessary calm down episode after the destruction of the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Orders. Jake has developed more in this episode than at any point before. The relationship between father and son is so natural and lifelike. I can see my own father and I having these conversations about career and life choices. The journey itself and the shipbuilding is almost inconsequential to the fact that this is a story about father and son. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. Although they, um, I don't disagree with that point about the father and son. Did you on any level feel let down about not resuming the Tal Shiar Obsidian Order stuff, Clay? No. Or are you just aware of this is what the show does at this point? Yeah, I mean, it, it it didn't surprise me that they kind of, you know, took a left turn and acted like nothing had really happened recently. Yeah, I mean, um, th- this was probably filmed before the other things. You know, it's like it's that kind yeah. of weird TV history production where they're just churning this stuff out every single day. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, like the production on this episode must have been super quick. Aside from the, uh, I I should say it's probably one of those things where they shot it very quickly, but then they had to do a lot of post stuff because they had the ship and everything. So I'm sure that yeah, I'm sure they shot it much earlier and then just didn't weren't able to slot it in until where they put it. I liked in uh, Memory Alpha for all the Babylon Five people who listen to this show and tell me to watch it. The production designer of this uh, had a great quote. He's like, "Listen, I don't want to single anybody out, but Babylon Five CGI looks like CGI." <laughs> <laughs> and it's although you know it's true, Babylon Five looks terrible from everything I've seen of yeah. what their exteriors look like. But I thought the uh, the solar ship looked pretty cool in this. I thought it looked good. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any problem. I'd like the models when they use the models, but if they make the CGI look like this, I, I don't really have any problems with it. Yeah, I mean, as far as CGI spaceships on a mid-90s television show go, it looks pretty good. Right. <laughs> they really got the wave physics of the other uh, sails. So it was very impressive. I also kind of wish uh, that uh, Cisco's notes on Jake's story were just, like, really bad. <laughs> like, he can't be good at everything, you know? <laughs> You, you mean Jake can't be good or Cisco can't Cisco be good at giving criticism? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's so good at everything. You know, he's a good captain and blah, you know, unless he can build fucking spaceships. Let let him have like a bad narrative sense or something like that, you know? <laughs> I was at least a little bit pleased he didn't try to have the cliche thing of inserting himself into the story um, of being like, Jake, you should add a, 
a black commanding officer <laughs> who has to get involved in this. I would I would like to have seen it instead of him being like, you should change this character to make this more believable. And Jake's like, yeah, you know, you're right. That's a really great note. I wish he had said something like, uh, I don't know, maybe you should do this and do this. And Jake be like, well, I can't do that because the structure is, su- is such that that doesn't work narratively, Dad. And I'm the writer here, okay? <laughs> I thought maybe they were a little bit prescient in... They're like, you know, in 25 years, any idiot with an internet connection will get together with a buddy and talk about these episodes and these stories and critique them like that. So maybe <laughs> maybe I should do the same thing. Um, Explorers from Holly Jake, McLaughlin. are you planning on self-publishing this through Amazon? <laughs> Holly McLaughlin says, I dislike politicizing things, but I've seen this episode commented on positively in a few places that is an example of TV finally allowing black men to be loving, involved fathers without requiring them to be funny. I guess that's the the caveat to the Cosby thing that I Mm. came up with. And thinking of it in a way that adds a layer of representation and depth that I can appreciate. I also love the indirect tie into Picard's commentary in Ensign Row about ancient Bajorans being so advanced that they were doing remarkably technologically advanced things while humans were not yet standing erect. It's true. That's a good point. That's the other thing about the black family. It was always comedies that would do that. Um, So they never had serious dramas to it. Uh, Yeah, it's it's really... You know, not to get into a discussion about that, but it is really fascinating that, like, on the one hand, there is a progressiveness scene about a lot of those shows, but on the other hand, it's like, well, well, they're still doing it under the guise of comedy, so a lot of people are laughing at them and not totally taking it seriously. It's it's a very yep. interesting, it's it's a very interesting uh, bit of bit of history. It's the opposite of the All in the Family, where racists would watch All in the Family and think that it was being sort of truthful to it. It's like a flipped version of that. You know, they're bringing back all these shows now that that have been off for a while, and some of them have more political bent than others. I think what they should, and this is totally has no relation to anything, but you brought it up, so I'm going to say this. Uh, I think they should bring back All in the Family and make Meathead the Archie Bunker character, because... That is absolutely accurate to modern life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd agree. I wonder if it's, is it one of those shows that's maybe too obvious? I'm surprised they haven't done it at this point. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if the backlash would it'd be one. Of, it'd probably get one of those online backlashes that doesn't really understand what people are talking about when they want to bring it up. Right, um, right. It's just kind of misunderstanding the material. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last comment, Explorer. Let me double check. This is the last comment. It is the last comment. Uh, Explorers, Matthew Ross. At first, you think it's the return of Crazy Clock Cisco from the Dramatis Personae episode. Wasn't there just a preemptive strike? Lots of tension? Maybe. Ooh. S- Captain Cisco can go on vacation on Bajor and build a spaceship. Rank must have some special privileges. I guess everyone else is just preparing. Uh, mooring. <laughs> yeah. Well, they just had all that shit happen, and Cisco's like, I'm going to go on a vacation and then spend like the next six months building a spaceship in a part of the deep, in, the, in, a, in a cargo bay that I don't know what it's for. It's, Chief, just get this shit out of here. I got to build a <laughs> ship in this. <laughs> everyone reminiscing over lost love, talking about past lives. Must be the beard on what can be deemed a partial full Cisco, minus the bald head. A cute father-son story, but a misplaced bottle episode that is oddly placed at the start of what will become a war. The hint of Cassidy Yates and very pretty solar sail sails. And if Cisco said, we'll make a sailor out of you yet, I think I would have blown that ship out of the stars. Very TNG-like and semi-forgettable. I give it a two. I disagree, mostly because your rating came in at the end. Um, I think a two is far too low on this. But, I mean, 
Um, I don't disagree with your criticism. I, I, I don't think it's a misplaced bottle episode, I guess, would be my main point. I think that it's appropriate for this kind of episode to happen at this point. Yeah, um, I think bottle episodes are difficult because, well, when are they ever, like, well-placed, you know? Right. Like, that the, the entire concept of them is that they are insulated from everything else that's going on. Maybe the best example is Fly from Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. Where the storyline has driven them to be in that one single room, so it makes sense to have that episode be there at that point. But it's very difficult in a show like this to come up with a reason to make a bottle episode feels sort of... uh, You notice the artificialness of it. Yeah, it's kind of... It's one of the things, actually, when you look at the change in how shows are made, it's... it In the more episodic TV shows, the way they used to... used to be i'm sure bottle episodes were like a sigh of relief for the writer's room to an extent yeah um because it's like oh good we we can don't have to do a lot we can keep it fairly confined we can manufacture some conflict that isn't that big of a deal that or you know we can really get into characters and blah 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 you know it's it's and and it can be it can exist outside of anything else so you know you don't have to worry about tying stuff in but now if you want to do a bottle episode in like a serialized show Usually you're doing that explicitly to save money, which is, I mean, what they were doing before. But now it's it's explicitly to save money even more. And yeah. you have to figure out, all right, how do we do a bottle episode that feels natural that we got to this bottle episode? And they're talking about stuff that is uh, integral to the plot, but doesn't move things too forward because it's a bottle episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just dealing with the, you have to deal with the ramifications of what's come before, sort of. It's like you're, I catch your breath and figure out where characters stand at this point. Yeah. Um, and Kyle Barrett just made it in. His post literally popped up as, uh, as I was scrolling down here. So Kyle Barrett says, Explorers, is it just me or could every scene in this episode be the beginning of a porn film? The cold open with Bashir and Lita, <laughs> Drunk O'Brien and Bashir. And as Wes has mentioned before, every Cisco and Jake scene is sizzling with incestuous sexual tension, especially when Jake says things like, don't think of me as your son right now. Think of me as just another guy. Um, I like all the cable. <laughs> I like all the other character interactions in the episode, which thankfully is the main focus. But I'm not crazy about the story and Cisco's sudden obsession with the ship. Cisco building the ship should have been a season-long storyline. I That's a good point, where we get a scene with him building once every few episodes rather than taking everything in place at once. Did not think of that, Clay. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, that I, I think that makes... Um, that's almost too much sense to have that be a season-long story arc. Has um, not... Not to go back to a different point of his comment, or... Um, has there ever been, like, a Star Trek or sci-fi porn parody where the ship is breaking down and like there's a problem with some sort of connecting cable and then the catalyst for the porno scene is the guy comes in to fix the cable <laughs> that would be a nice a, a, a nice meta expansion of that of that porno cliche into a sci-fi porno <laughs> he's like let me put down this pizza box and get right on that cable work uh, <laughs> there must be a, i'm sure there is a uh, there's certainly a teen g porn parody um I think one came out like fairly recently. I was remember seeing it on Twitter. So I'll put I, a link to that. <laughs> I do remember reading about um they did do one and they hired this guy who's like a who's like a, a really good Patrick Stewart impersonator to play Picard. Mm-hmm. But they um but they don't he's not in any of the sex scenes. And oh, it's I just see. like yeah, it's just that's a, such a strange thing where it's like, sure, I'll be in your porno. 
um, as long as I don't have to do any porno stuff. And I'm not saying that he should have, but it's just like, it's weird to hire out somebody. I don't know. To it do seems, that. yeah, it's, it's a very odd situation. They should have just hired Patrick Stewart. Yeah. If he was like, what the, <laughs> what's the difference? I mean, he's seen everything. <laughs> All right. So ratings, uh, Clay, do you want to go first on our scale of one to five? What are you going to give this one? Uh, I'll give it a three. Um, okay. I think it's got good stuff in it. Uh, I, I don't love the Bashir plot. Um, I get, like I said, I get what they're trying to do, but I don't know. It just doesn't, that, that doesn't really work for me, but the, the Cisco and Jake stuff I think is, is really solid. Um, yeah, it's a good watch. It's a three. I think, I think I'll give it a, I think I'll give it a week four. Um, I think it's strong. I think that it's one of those. I try to look at them as to see like where the problems are. And I don't really have anything other than minor complaints about this one. Um, I think it, it doesn't have a lot of action in it, but I think that it was like, I really enjoyed watching it. I was surprised by how much I liked the scenes that were going on in front of me as, uh, as we sort of settled down from the dice cast that I thought it was clever. I thought the character work was really strong between it. I thought it built off of what we know about the Cisco's at this point. I thought Bashir was okay. I I like the Bashir storyline more than you do. Um, so I'm going to give it a, a four, I think, and that'll mm-hmm. be it. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. You can support the show by going to all the social media. It's Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. You can check out the Discord channel. All the links are in the video descriptions. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash thepenskefile if you want to support the show. You get a couple dollars a month. You get extra podcasts. If you don't want to give any money, which is your prerogative, uh, I'd really appreciate an iTunes review. That would be very, very super helpful. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, it might take you five minutes to load up iTunes because it takes five minutes to load up itunes for some reason but you can do it on the phone now through if you have an iphone you can do it through the podcast app pretty thank easily. you clay that's a good that's uh, that is something i realized to be true but i never thought of saying that if you have your podcast app just do it through there that's much appreciated yeah you're already holding it in your hand right now right exactly. <laughs> and you can write in the review how how helpful it was that we told you how easy it was to do yeah Apple would appreciate it. We'd appreciate it. Everyone would appreciate it. But guys, thank you very much for listening. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we head out? Um, I don't think so. Got a Batman podcast coming out fairly soon called The Badass Podcast, Batman the Animated Series Show, uh, yep. with me and Sean Murphy. Should be coming out uh, sometime soon. I'm in the middle of edit, finishing editing up episodes, which uh, when you when you plan to release all your episodes at once, uh, that stuff backs up on you pretty quick. So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully in the in the near in the very near future. Yeah, this this episode will come out before that probably, unless you uh, are nearly done. But I think that you'll at least be a oh, little yeah, bit of yeah. time after this. And if un- until it does, you can follow us at Badass Podcast on Twitter, B A T T A S S Podcast. Yep. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. With let me look at this one here. I want to get it right. I want to know what the next episode is. Family Business, a Ferengi episode. All right, so we'll be back in a couple days with Family Business. See ya.